Tracy here with Finding Your Freestyle. Today we're actually gonna be doing our second movement reading. So we did one last month, and we're doing one again this month. Let's get started. Maybe you're wondering at this point what a movement reading is. Of course, you can take a listen and you know form your own conclusions, but for me, what I'm trying to do here is really offer something for our collective group. So the people that would be drawn to watch this, the people that uh, follow Finding Your Freestyle, the people that um, work with me personally, and we're really just trying to create intentional dialogue about the things that come up in movement practice and of course what the mirrors are for life as well. So as you're listening to this, these are going to, these tips, tools, readings are going to definitely apply to your movement practice. However, if you're just listening to this for life, it works too. One more thing to note is take what resonates and leave the rest. That means not everything that you hear here is going to apply to you, maybe not apply to you right now in the present moment. If it doesn't, don't feel like you have to hang on to it and find truth in it. Just let it lie and then gather in the things that are useful to you. So now we're getting started. You may notice here we are again on the next full moon. I might be noticing a pattern here, uh, but for me, full moons have like the most outward expansive energy. I tend to be very productive on full moons. Obviously, like book ending full moons, I experience all of the um, erratic energies, but for the most part, on full moons, they feel like really good days to share ideas and to dive deep. So let's get started with the first thing I wanna talk about. So the first thing that came to me is a little bit peculiar, but hopefully we'll make rhyme or reason of it. Everyone's practice has a foundation, a home base, things they value, uh, the things they spend their most time on, what makes them feel comfortable, right? So you can imagine in this example that what I'm talking about is a movement practice, having a sense of place or a home. Um, if you go into someone's house, no matter how comfortable it may feel, it doesn't feel like your house, right? So the point I'm making here is, of course you can honor the homes that other people have created for themselves, but don't feel like their home has to be your home, that it has to fit in the same way, that you have to find the same things important. And unfortunately, because dance is such a moving collective, we can lose the fact that our homes may feel and look a little bit different, and that's important, and that's also okay. So in this example, what it reminds me of is when we go out into classrooms, we listen and in train, check out last month, in train with what other, what teachers and other practitioners are doing for their movement, whether it's technique work, exploration work, whatever, that's their home. That's the thing that they have built for themselves. And of course it has value, of course, especially if they're in the role of teacher and they are trying to distribute information and useful experiences for you. However, if you're taking their home, putting it on your back and walking around like that's the only way to have practice, we're missing something. And I think the more that we respect and value specific teachers and peers, the harder it is for us to understand that our homes may look a little bit different so again, in this example, you can think about your own practice, the things that you're doing alone on a regular basis as your home. And when you're going out into these other experiences where you're collaborating and learning, you're traveling essentially to other people's homes. You're gonna bring back the things that you saw and felt that you enjoyed. 
I don't say this to undermine the fact that getting uncomfortable and working on things that are not your comfort zone are really important, but we also need to be cultivating what's grounding us in our own practice and that needs to be an individual expression. So if you're not doing the work to respect what your home is in your movement practice, this is a message for you to start to take that time, take some of that energy that you're shooting outward and that you're focusing outward, turn around, look at yourself, and start to understand what's important to you and cultivate that with habitual practice. Going into that home, knowing what's in that room, what's there, what needs to be there, what grounds you, what helps you find yourself, what gives your life vitality and wellness. Make sure you're building that home. And of course, looking out into how other people have developed themselves that's a useful thing. We flip through magazines and we look at how other houses are decorated, right? We see something a friend did, we like it, we ask him if it's okay if we buy it on Amazon. I mean, all of this happens. But because of the social media landscape, so much of our energy and attention is focused away from ourselves that we're really not spending time, the time that it takes for us to have a sense of place in our own practice that was built by us and that is honored by us. However, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, my home's pretty decorated. I love being in it. It's my sanctuary. You might be getting the sensation that it's time for you to pack your bags, travel and see what else is out there so that you can bring some of that juiciness home so that your home doesn't become a place that is stagnated and is shielding you from new experiences. You may be on this side, you may be on this side, but build that home, but don't hibernate it in it too long. <laughs> so the next thing I wanna talk about, I have my iPad because I'm gonna read a quote for you, and this is gonna be a tip about awareness. So let me read you this quote. Consciousness tends to ignore all constants. This is from Alan Watts. So consciousness tends to ignore all constants. Let me put my iPad down. I think this tip is super related to the last mention about making sure that you're building a foundation. Um, but the problem that can occur is that when things become unchanging, when we put on the same outfit, when we play the same music, when the things about our bodies that we're focused on remain the same focal points, when the style of movement and the way we practice our technique remain unchanging, there becomes a point when instead of being useful, it can become unuseful. Meaning that the things that happen in your brain to become aware of changing factors and keep you essentially awake, start to get a little bit quiet and we go unconscious. Un, sorry, unconscious. My, my voice today. The funny thing about being unconscious in different parts of our practice is we don't know that it's happening. So how can we affect change? So you can look at environmental factors, things like clothing, things like music, things like the rooms you're moving in and start to change those elements to try and spark, you know, a waking up, noticing new things, noticing the things that have been occurring for a while. Um, but you can also, of course, go out and work with people, 
or get with a friend and start to look at your practice objectively, look at your movement objectively. I wouldn't get too intimidated by the idea of the fact that you need a foundation and then you also need to be changing factors so that you don't go completely asleep um, and then are just running on autopilot. It doesn't take very much to spark awareness. It really doesn't. It's just being able to put on a different lens. So do those little things that switch it up and you'll find that you'll continue to get insights for your own movement. The next thing that's coming up this month is obsession with how you're being received and perceived and how this can really mess with our practice. There's lots of places that we can get really caught in a loop of worrying about how we're being seen. Obviously, social media is a big, big platform where that happens, but it can also happen in small ways amongst our peers. It can happen with how we think our teachers are seeing us. Um, it can happen when we put wor art work out there in the world and we have concerns about how people are taking it in and, and what they're judging about it. Obviously, it's really nice to be self-reflective, but the point I'm making here is that we can get into a self-damaging place when we're caught in the loop of that worry and we're getting stuck not being able to move forward understanding our worth, understanding our value, and being compassionate about the fact that our work and our practice changes all the time, it moves through cycles. So if you are noticing that you're getting into that place where you're feeling bad about yourself, or you're having trouble creating because you're thinking about how it's already being judged as less than, less than what you're capable of or less than what their standards are, whatever it is. It's time to actually take care of yourself. Go back to what I mentioned in the first part of this video about your home. It's time to get comfortable, to seek relief, and to pull all of your resources back in and just keep your practice for yourself for that time being until you feel a shift where you wanna send your energy out again. So the last thing I'm gonna mention for this month's video, and thank you for hanging out with me for so long, is the need for softness. We need more softness towards ourselves and towards others. Softness is not weakness. Softness actually takes extreme maturity and discernment to apply. If you're not quite sure how to be soft with yourself and with others, start in the moving room. Start to play with prompts that bring you softness in the way you are in contact with your apparatus, the way you are in contact with the floor, the qualities of uh, forces in your joints and in your transitions, and see if you can apply different qualities of softness there and see how they feel. Notice what happens as far as your own experience in the softness. Notice if it's pleasant or unpleasant. And eventually, we do that in our practice, we start to see the practical um, benefits of applying softness in our lives. Now, obviously, when I talk about one thing, the other thing is also true. There are times in our life when we don't need softness, but this month, 
there's gonna be some times in your life and in your dancing that you're gonna need softness and you're gonna to need to have a soft gaze towards you, towards other people, an ability to be pliable in your strength and application of dance. If you're not quite sure, think of a, a peer or a friend you know who has an ability to access that easily and have a little chat with them about what it is that they do or what they know about it in their own dance. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, I really hope something in here is useful to you. Please leave a comment down below, hit the thumbs up, subscribe, um, because that lets me know that this is something that you would like to see continue. I'm having a lot of fun with these readings because even last month after I posted the reading, every single thing that I mentioned that reading came up in my own practice in really significant ways. Um, so I'm finding it personally useful and I'd love to know if, um, if something is resonating for you. And I hope to see you on Instagram or sometime in person. I'd love to move with you and help you access more freestyle in your body. My next uh, workshop opportunities are gonna be in San Francisco at the end of this month. I'm going to be judging the NorCal Pole Presentational, which is a really cool non-competition. And then I'm gonna be teaching the Friday night before the event and the Sunday. The Friday night is currently sold out. The Sunday is gonna be at Inspiration Studios and I'll post information about that on my Instagram as soon as I have final, final bits. Um, thank you for your uh, focus, your attention, and I'm sending you all the love. Mwah. Bye.